29. The Sickness Chapter 1 My name is Cassie. I wish I could tell you my whole name, because that would mean I was a nice, normal girl. But I'm not either one. Not nice, not normal. Okay, my friends think I'm nice. Marco is always calling me a tree hugger. And even though I don't actually hug trees, I do care about them. Which makes me nice, right? A girl who cares about trees can't be anything but nice. Unless that girl has also ripped a living creature's throat out with her bare teeth. Which I have. I was in Wolf Morph, deep in battle. Seven hork against six of us. Jake gave the order to retreat. And either right before he said it, or right after, I yanked the throat out of the hork I was fighting. I hope it was right before. I hope that I didn't go in for the kill when I could have just run. But I'm not sure. That's why I don't think I qualify as nice. You've probably already gotten a clue why I don't qualify as normal. Here's the short version. An Endolite prince named Alfangor gave the power to morph to me and four of my friends. He knew he was about to die, and he didn't want to leave Earth defenseless against the Yurk invasion. He showed us a small blue box. We pressed our hands against it, and we were changed. This morphing cube was lost for a while. Now we have it again. We've used it once to add an anamorph to our group. Then we had to subtract that new anamorph, and we've kept the blue box hidden ever since. Since that night in the construction site, since that change, the five of us, plus Alfangor's younger brother, have been fighting the Yurks. Yurks are parasites. A yurk enters a host through the ear canal, flattens itself out on the brain, and takes over completely. The host creature can't scratch an itch unless the yurk wants it to. We call a being who has been taken over that way a controller. You must be thinking the yurks are pure evil, but let me tell you what it's like to be a yurk who isn't in a host. Yurks are basically gray slugs. No hands, no legs, no eyes, no ears. If a yurk wants to be free, free to really move, free to see the beauty of the world around it, free to hear music or even the sound of rain on leaves, if a yurk wants that, it has to have a host. If a yurk wants to be free, it has to make another living creature a slave. Not an easy choice, is it? I know something about hard choices. I've made a lot of them since I became an anamorph and one of the hardest was whether I wanted to be an anamorph at all. Because I know that when, if, this whole thing is over, it may be too late for me to either be nice or normal ever again. Like I said, I know something about hard choices. So, Cassie, here's your choice. If you were on a desert island, who would you want to be with? Baby Spice or Marco? Rachel asked as we sat down at our usual lunch table. Huh? What else could I say to that question? It's the Desert Island game, Rachel answered. You pick two annoying people, 
Then you have to choose which of them you'd rather be on a desert island with. I glanced across the cafeteria at Marco. He and Jake were sitting at a table by the windows. Marco is not... I began. Rachel grabbed me by the arm. Hey, shush. Listen to Allison and Brittany, she whispered. I pulled my yogurt from my backpack and tried to eavesdrop without looking like I was eavesdropping. Allison and Brittany were sitting at the other end of our table. Maybe I should ask him to the dance, Allison said. This is what Rachel wanted me to hear? Do it, Brittany urged. Jake has gotten so cute. Wait, did she say Jake? The Jake? Or some other Jake? I shot a glance at Brittany and Allison. They were both staring over at Jake. As in, Jake, the leader of the Animorphs. As in, my Jake. Now, you're probably picturing us walking around school, hand in hand, maybe kissing by the lockers before class. But it's not like that. It's more an inside kind of thing. We've only kissed one time. Although, I would like it to happen again. But most people at school don't have a clue we're together. Obviously. Hey, Allison. Hey, listen up. Allison looked over, and Rachel shook her head slowly. Uh-uh. Don't even think about it. Jake's with Cassie. My face got hot as both Brittany and Allison started checking me out. I'm not beautiful like Rachel. And I admit, I sometimes have a little bird poop on my jeans. I spend a lot of time helping my dad take care of the animals at the wildlife rehabilitation center he has out in our barn. And birds, being birds, will poop. But that stuff doesn't matter to Jake. I know how he feels about me. Allison tossed her long red ponytail over her shoulder. It doesn't look like Cassie and Jake are together, she told Rachel. He's sitting over there. She's over here. There. Here. Way over there. As opposed to right here. Yeah, Brittany chimed in. Has Jake even asked her to the dance? They didn't even ask me their questions. They acted like I was invisible. I'm used to that. Rachel is one of those people who seems to go through life with a spotlight focused on them at all times. The dance? Of course he's asked her to the dance, Rachel said. Then she stood up and grabbed my yogurt in one hand and my backpack in the other. Allison, Brittany, we, Cassie and I, are going over there. Way over there. Rachel marched across the cafeteria toward Marco and Jake. I had no choice but to follow. You and my cousin make me want to hurl, she said over her shoulder. Jake can face death every day, but he can't manage to ask a girl to a dance. And you're no better. Me? What am I supposed to do? I protested. Duh. Even Allison the Airhead knows, Rachel said. Rachel sat down next to Marco. She put my yogurt down next to Jake. I took the hint and sat next to him. We are all going to the dance Thursday night, Rachel informed Jake. And you are taking Cassie. Jake choked on his macaroni and beef. Marco started banging him on the back. So, Rachel, I guess that means you need a date too, huh? Marco said. I could make time in my busy schedule. Look at that, a flying pig, Rachel exclaimed. 
Then, oh, sorry, my mistake. I thought for a minute I saw a flying pig, but I didn't. And that's the only time I would go out with you. Jake was recovering. His face was red. I waited for him to tell them we wouldn't be going to the dance. I thought he'd say we'd had to spend that night doing some kind of Yerk surveillance or something. But Jake just smiled at me. We could use a night doing something nice and normal. Oh, man, Marco moaned. What? Every time we try to do something nice and normal, it ends up turning out nasty and weird, he said. Every single time. Chapter 2 The dance. Picture loud music. Picture chips and dip and a bowl of trail mix. Picture the lights low, the decorations limp, the teachers standing outside the restrooms discussing whether there would be a teacher's strike. Picture guys mostly with guys, girls mostly with girls, but with lots of eye contact. Not my kind of place, really. Rachel had forced me to wear a dress. She had dragged me through the mall, dressing me up like her own personal Barbie doll. I had on shoes I could never run in. I was even wearing makeup. I felt like the largest, most obvious dweeb in the history of dweebs. Axeman, someone is checking you out, Marco said. I wasn't surprised that Axe was getting some attention. His human morph is cute. More pretty than cute, really. No way! She's looking at me, Tobias said. He shot a quick look at Rachel to see how she liked the idea of another girl giving him the eye. Uh-huh. Maybe after the dance, you could take her back to your tree, Rachel said, batting her eyes at Tobias. Tobias laughed. Hey, the chicks go wild for the feathers, baby. He laughed again. Sorry, Axe had Austin Powers on his TV last night. I looked at Allison. Margo was right. She was staring at Axe. I guess she figured if she couldn't have Jake, she'd go for the cute new boy. Not that Tobias isn't cute, and he might as well be a new boy. He went to our school for a while, back when he was human, back before he was trapped in his red-tailed hawk morph. Now, no one seemed to recognize him. But then, he's totally different from the kid bullies used to pick on. He doesn't project those, I'm helpless so come and terrorize me, vibes at all anymore. Partly, that comes from living a life where even the good times are dangerous. Partly, it's that he's sort of forgotten how to express emotions with his face. Smiling when he's happy just isn't natural to him anymore, because hawks don't smile. Now, when people look at Tobias, they notice the strangeness of his blank face, not the face itself. Even when he laughs, he doesn't really smile. Checking me out! What does that mean? Axe asked. It means that girl over there is warm for your form, Markle told him. It means she wants your body. Axe started to look a little nervous. My body? 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 Axe normally does not have a mouth. In human morph, with a mouth, Axe can be... unusual. She's making her move, Markle told Axe. Although, if you want to get rid of her, just try saying, body, like that a few times. 
Buddy! Buddy! Axe said, continuing to play with the sound. Of course, if Allison knew what Axe really looks like, she'd run screaming in the other direction. Axe's andalite body is strange. Strange and beautiful and intimidating, too. Picture this. A blue and tan deer-like body. A giant scorpion tail. A pair of small arms. A humanoid head with no mouth. And two extra eyeballs mounted on stalks. Allison stopped in front of Axe. She smiled and tossed her red hair around. Hi. I wanted to know if you... You know... Wanted to dance? Allison said. Axe nodded. I would like to shuffle my artificial hooves to the music with you. But you cannot have my body. My bud. E. My ba. D. Allison backed away. Ah, oh, you know what? I hear my friends calling me, she said, then bolted. A wild burst of laughter escaped my mouth. I couldn't help myself. The expression on Allison's face... Bo... D... Axe repeated. I enjoy the way my tongue hits the front of my mouth when I say that. D... Oh, food. Do they possess the delightful flavors of grease, salt, and sugar here? Axe also likes to use his mouth to eat, to a dangerous extent. Sometimes, when I watch Axe experience in the sense of taste... I find myself thinking about the yurks. When they enter a host, they get hit with thousands of new sensations. I can hardly wrap my mind around what it must feel like. I have to narrow it down for myself. I'll pick one thing, like color. Then I'll close my eyes and try to imagine I have never seen any color of any kind. When I open my eyes, the array of colors around me makes me dizzy. And color is only one part of sight. And sight is only one part of the new senses Yurks experience in a host. I didn't bother telling my friends what I was thinking about. None of them are all that interested in considering the joys a Yurk can find in a host. Not that I blame them. Yurks are the enemy. It's easier for us to do our job if we see them as evil. Pure evil. I shook my head and told myself that a dance wasn't the time to get all philosophical. Especially my first real kind of date with Jake. A date involving an actual dress. And makeup. I tuned back to the conversation. Baby Spice or Oprah? Marco was saying, looking thoughtfully at Rachel. What do you have against Oprah? She's on my list of people I've heard way too much about. I smiled. It was just dumb, normal, pointless conversation. It was nice to be normal sometimes. Jake must have felt the same way. Our eyes met. Want to dance? I'm not very good, I said. I dance like a lumberjack, Jake said. Like a lumberjack who's just chopped off one of his own legs, Marco interjected helpfully. Like a one-legged lumberjack whose remaining leg is a tree stump and... Jake grabbed my hand and pulled me out onto the dance floor. The dance floor formerly known as the basketball court. And then I was dancing. With Jake. I gave a little twirl of happiness. Is it horrible to admit that I hoped everyone was watching? Especially Allison? Even if it's horrible, it's true. I like the idea of everyone knowing that I, Cassie, of the sometimes bird-pooped jeans, 
was with Jake. Jake smiled at me. He has a great smile, even though it always looks a little strange on his face. Just because he's usually so intense, making life and death decisions for us all. Making more hard choices than I ever have to make. I smiled back and gave him another twirl. I spotted Axe, Marco, Rachel, and Tobias dancing in a group nearby. I hoped that Rachel and Tobias got a chance to break away and have a dance by themselves. I tried to catch Rachel's eye. I thought maybe I could give her some kind of signal that she and Tobias shouldn't spend the whole night hanging with Axe and Marco. But Rachel's gaze was locked on Axe. As I watched, an expression of amazed horror crossed her face. What was wrong? I jerked my eyes to Axe and felt my own face twist into an expression that mirrored Rachel's. Axe's head! A lump on the top of Axe's head was throbbing to the music. We have a problem, I whispered to Jake. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, and here we are. New book. Um, I, I still, still kind of in that um, middle part of the Animorphs where there's a bunch of books I don't super remember. I sort of remember this one, so I think it's going to be alright. I think this one's going to be better than the last two, uh, which weren't, you know, bad books, just sort of, um, I mean... It was filler, right? Like, pretty much up and down, just filler. That n- Nothing happened in either of those books that either advanced character or plot. But, um, you know, that's that's what happens when you have to publish a book a month or whatever insane schedule uh, uh, K.A. Applegate was on. Enough of all that. We got some asked, uh, we got a ask, I should say, uh, to answer. And also, I can already feel this office heating up now that I've closed the door and turned on a fa- turned off my fan. So, let's get into it. This is sent in through the Tumblr, that's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, and it is, of course, Willis the Arths, back again uh, with a follow-up on the last ask. The last ask being about um, how Yerk parasitism is actually harmful to them. So, Willis says, uh, being in the host might not be, quote, harmful in the same way it is for the controllers, but I do think it's harmful in maybe an abstract way. Maybe the way an addiction is harmful, like... The comparison to seeing different colors, I think, is a good one. If someone was eating a mysterious substance to see colors only shrimp can see, but they skip out on sleeping and eating, I think the behavior would be described as harmful. I do like the idea uh, that the controller cycle came from and a need to get to a new York pool. Yorks don't seem to have a gene pool problem. They reproduce through a weird fusion-slash-fission process. But no source of energy is infinite. The York pools get energy from, quote, chondroner rays, which I think is comparable to the uh, to Earth plants getting energy from the sun, but that's not the only thing plants need to live. They can drain the soil from they can drain the soil for nutrients. So maybe the pools also have some amount of vitamins and other things that yurks need, but they will drain the pools of those resources over time. So they need to move to a new pool to let the old one recover. Also, maybe just being out of the yurk pool for a few days lets the pool recover. Even even if they can't get uh, even if they can't find a new one, the pool not the pool not working at max capacity twenty four seven could help it be more stable. I don't think this is canon. More just speculation. Signed Willis the Arthas. Um, I much more understand your point um, about the the infestation thing being harmful to the Yurks now. Thank you for clarifying that. I, I see where you're coming from. Um, that's a that's a good point that I hadn't considered. Um, 
because we don't really we don't really get to uh, delve too much into like the yerk biology, right? So we don't really know. Like, uh, if it if it is a so I was I was kind of thinking more like um, in terms of almost like a, a video game character's uh, stamina wheel or something, you know, where like if you are at one percent stamina or one hundred percent stamina. Uh, that is functionally the same within the mechanics of the video game. You can still sprint or jump or climb or whatever you're using the stamina for. Uh, but once you hit that zero, suddenly you're hit with the penalties of not having stamina, right? Um, which isn't very realistic to, to biology. So maybe your, your version is, uh, more correct. Um, and that's probably like the difference, right? If it is a thing where yurks are fine until like the last, six hours before they need to feed and that's when they start feeling the starvation pangs uh that's different than if they are slowly getting hungrier and weaker over the course of three days and they're just so addicted to the experiences of a host that they push it to the absolute limit before they re-enter the pool um i know we the, the closest we get i think is uh when jake is infested way back in like book four or five or whatever uh, we do get some perspective into um, how Jake experiences the yurk in his brain uh, experiencing conjoined starvation. And I feel like, again, the yurk was like fine until the last little chunk, right? And then it started to get like really bad really quickly. So uh, hard, hard to say for me. I, I think it, I think this is a thing that biologically, huh. It, it's, it's complicated, right? I think it is a biological function that Yerks have evolved, and in that sense is not inherently harmful to their biology. But certainly I could see examples of being so... Uh, addiction, I think, is a good term for it, Addicted to the senses they can obtain via host. Uh, that, yeah, they are essentially trying to minimize the amount of time they are unhosted. And that, that could lead to like dangerous situations for a Yurk where they are really pushing the limit to how long they can go without Kondrona before exiting a host. Um, and in that sense, yeah, I do think that could be harmful for a Yurk. Um, as far as like nutrients, I, d I do think that uh, Kondrona rays are probably something not dissimilar to the sun's rays for plants. I think you're right there. Um, though... Yurk pools are described to be uh, kind of sludgy and um, almost like molten lead. That's the term that's used a lot, both for the coloration and the viscosity of the pool. So I have to imagine there is some additional layer of um, something going on in there that's interacting with the, the, the condrona from the sun or whatever, right? Or maybe it's once the sun interacts with that stuff, that's what creates the condrona. Uh, within the pool. So there's probably some sort of bacteria or plant life, uh, microscopic plant life um, that also exists or nutrients, like you said, uh, within within these pools. I don't think it's just like water, right? Um, and I, I think that's an interesting take that uh, leaving the pool allows the pool to, to regenerate those nutrients. I think that also might be part of it because, uh, you know, that's that's also like how, like how our agriculture works, right? You can't keep planting the same yield over and over in the same soil because it will just drain out all the nutrients uh, that plant needs from the soil. You need to allow that soil to recover. So you might be onto something there, uh, for sure. Thank you for writing in and giving us uh, all something to think about, Willis.
Uh, that is all I have as far as uh, questions or comments written in. But if you'd like to write in, you can, of course, do it through that Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. You can do it through Gmail. That's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. You can do it through my website. That's theapodcalypse.com. The Apocalypse, like Apocalypse, but with the D in the middle. Um, and you can also tweet at me, or X at me, I guess, technically now. I finally got that update. Mm. I saw right. I saw the logo on Twitter that people were sharing around and being like, this is so embarrassing. I was not actually ready for how embarrassing it is to have on my phone. Very tough, very challenging. But um, you can still, for now, tweet at me, at Audiomorphs. Um, and, and that's also where you should check if uh, I'm ever, ever late. Uh, I guess I, I guess back up now. <laughs> if and when Twitter finally uh, fully shuts down, um, check check audio the Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. I guess I'll be putting updates there. Um, but for now, it's Twitter. Um, that's uh, I think that's all I got to say. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, and uh, strap on in. I think this book gets pretty freaky. Uh, so thank you for listening, and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>